Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. His, his history was appalling. He killed four people. When he's killing people, he's thinking of his parents. If you're not careful, he projects the picture of his father onto you. For the very first time, the greatest minds in criminology have come together to dissect the psyches of some of the world's most prolific serial killers. These forensic psychiatrists, psychologists and pathologists have an incredible depth of knowledge and often first-hand insight into these killers, helping us to understand what makes a monster. The following interview with Professor Bob Johnson was recorded in August 2019 for Crime and Investigation's TV series, Making a Monster. Dr Johnson is a psychiatrist who worked closely with Robert Maudsley at Parkhurst Prison on the Isle of Wight. After extensive interviews and counselling, Dr Johnson believed that Maudsley was making progress and could be rehabilitated. Warning, the subjects covered in this podcast are of a sensitive nature. Listener discretion advised. Historically, uh, I visited Parkhurst Prison in May 1991. Um, I was taken on a tour of the special unit, which needed the psychiatrist, and also the prison hospital. And as we were going around the prison hospital, they opened one of the cell doors, and there was a wire mesh still remaining there. And behind the wire mesh was this sort of Moses figure, long, draggly beard, gaunt face. That's Maudsley. So I made a little mental note. I thought, I'm going to get alongside this man, if I can. So I had a charm offensive with the medical, senior medical officer. I'm not good at them, but I had a charm offensive. And I went over every, time, every morning for coffee at 10, chat, 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 long-term effects of child abuse, chat, chat, chat. Gradually, two years later, I'd wheedled far enough into his uh, good opinion of me, in a sense, and what I was doing uh, for him to give permission for me to see Maudsley. So I began to see Maudsley. And one time I was walking by, and they'd opened the main door, and there was just the wire mesh and you couldn't make eye contact very easily. And he was saying things like, if I had this friend, what would you say to him? You know, the sort of the friend routine, and I explained what I did, which is to deal with the long-term effects of child abuse, trauma that happened a long time ago, which they couldn't deal with. And I persuaded them and helped them to deal with it. So to cut the links and let it float off in the past where it should be. So that was preliminary. So I'd been there possibly two years 
two and a half years before I actually got to sit in his cell with him. The setup that I eventually arrived at was that he would sit at the far end of the bed, I would sit at the near end of the bed near the door. And what I'm particularly proud of, and this took an, um, 18 months, two years to say, was if you frighten me, I can't help you. And I sat next to the door, and one time he said, my hands are getting sweaty, my palms, I thought I'm going out the door, you know. And that calmed him down. And gradually, he latched on to what I was trying to do. Um, and there's the audio. I've got about four hours of audio. And I, we, we, we agreed that after a while he would let me videotape it because I love videotaping what I'm doing in order to explain and teach people uh, how to deal with these violent people. He was very feared. There's no question about that. Um, I think it's true that had he frightened me, I couldn't have helped him. So looking back, I don't think he ever did frighten me. Um, I always saw him as a case, as a, as a patient who needed help. I needed to, to try an approach which would unpack where the problem was. But he was notorious uh, in the prison. Um, and uh, they took precautions then, which may not have been necessary, but this is what they did for from his history, for example, um, say lunchtime or the afternoon, they shut all the other prisoners away and let him wander around the wing as the only person who was out. He was, he was the only prisoner who was allowed out. And one hilarious time, he's, uh, the uh, senior medical officer who was in charge of the prison was quite a muscular man who used to try and train with the SAS and considered himself a toughie. And they were going round the corners. They didn't know they were coming and they met each other. <laughs> and they both backed up, fortunately. But he was quite a, a powerful uh, medical officer in that he allowed him out on those conditions, like I say, they shut all the other prisons away and let him out. And as I say, he was also confident that he let me sit down and try and sort him through. His, his history was appalling. I think he'd killed four people. Um, but my concern wasn't so much the details of what he'd done, nor was it particularly about the actual precise abuse that he'd suffered as a child, because universally, all the murderers I talked to had an appalling childhood. And the link between the appalling childhood and the murder is absolutely 100%. And my task was to break the link, because the trouble with trauma and, and, and human beings is the, the, the child is traumatized, the child shuts the trauma away in a box, and it stays, and it leaks, but the box is never examined. And the box isn't examined because the child has learned, lift the lid on the box, and you're dead. It's not cups of tea, it's dead. So I have to say, actually, the, the, the box is empty. Now, to go from telling me about the box, agreeing that I can help with the box, to saying the box is empty, that could take two years. That's extremely significant. If you can't talk about it, you can't think about it, you can't solve it. So at the back of his mind, he's going to be shut up in the wardrobe, he's going to be abused by his father, he's going to have all these dreadful things happen to him that happened to him as a child. Because what the child does is growing up, something terrible happens, they put it on this box. They can't do anything else. They can't say, no, don't do that anymore. They, can't, they put it in the box. That's their defense against it going on. And then the box stays. They can't open the box because they're going to let out the monster. They're going to die. Because as he talks about it, as he thinks about it, it happens again. If he'd said to me, I'm, sh I'm shut up in this, uh, in this uh, wardrobe, in his mind, he's back in the wardrobe. 
Uh, my father took out his belt at me and beat me. His father's doing it now. If you're not careful, he projects the picture of his father onto you. So you become the father who's about to beat him, so he kills you to stop you beating him. That's the deal. And as he said in his uh, court trial in 1979, when he's killing people, he's thinking of his parents. So basically, in my view, it's very simple. It's toddler revenge. He's still six, two years old, six years old, whatever. He's a, he's a toddler, and he's taking revenge. Now, when he's an adult, the revenge is lethal. When he's an infant, the revenge is, in, is ineffective. So it bottles up. You can understand it. it bottles up. Here's somebody doing these dreadful things to him. So he wants to get back at them. He's too small to begin with. He can't get back at them in, in, in real time. So now, when he can, he, he kills people instead of killing his parents. Now, the best resolution to that is to cut the link between today, which is where he's an adult and potent and powerful, and what happened before. Give him, um, empower him to say, you can't do that anymore. You can't shut me in a cupboard. You can't do all these dreadful things to me. Um, he is a helpless toddler in his own estima estimation. Um, I want to say to him, look, whatever happened, I'm not particularly interested in the details, just the severity of it matters. You are not a toddler today. You are not helpless. And you argue with them with that. You say, how old are you? And, and when you can move it a bit further along, you get them to sit the parent, the abuser, the granddad, whoever it is, in, a, in an empty chair. And you say, stop. Stop, granddad. I'm not going to let you do that anymore. It's what they wanted to be able to do when they were six. They can't do it because the person who's doing the abuse is twice their size, three times their size. Uh, I went up to him the other day and I said, look, uh, we can't go on like this. We're both in the same boat, which is true. So he's now doing adult to adult, whereas before he was doing toddler to adult. And toddler to adult is dangerous. Um, Alice Miller, who was a very pioneering um, therapist, did psychoanalysis and uh, found out where Freud went wrong. She said it's impossible for a person brought up in a loving household to become a murderer. I think that's absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Every murderer, and I've treated 50 of them in Parkhurst Prison, every murderer killed a parent figment. Some sort of image from the past, twice their size, five times their size, was going to kill them if they don't kill the person. Sadly, it's a wrong person at the wrong time. Uh, you get a flashback onto, the, onto the, father's, the father's face, flashback onto the person in front of you. You get confused, you misperceive, and you kill. Killing is infantile. Killing is toddler rage, toddler nonsense thinking, um, because human beings are sociable animals, and an adult talking to an adult is, is, is cooperation, and that's where you get social delight. You can't get social delight after you've abused somebody or hurt them. And so many of them said, I could talk with my fists. I couldn't talk otherwise. I couldn't talk otherwise. Now, they, they only say that after they've learned to talk. As a doctor in a prison, you're a dangerous man. You're a dangerous person. Uh, countless stories come by. Uh, the psychiatrist saw me for 20 minutes. I ended up in Broadmoor. What? Um, this doctor can write prescriptions or not. Very powerful people. So that's something to overcome. So when I first went there, this is interesting. When I first went there, um, I said to the prison staff, I said, call me Bob. 
No, no, you're Dr. Johnson. You're Dr. Johnson. I said, no, no, call me Bob. Oh, all right, Dr. Bob. We compromised. And one of the prisoners later confirmed, if you'd said, call me Dr. Johnson, that would have it. He wouldn't, he, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have come forward or anything. So you've got to have trust. The other thing you've got to do, and I learned this slowly, is you've got to have power. If you're not more powerful than the figment, the, the abuser, they'll wipe the floor with you. If you are more powerful, you're dangerous. And it's going on in the head all the time. This is, this is the major breakthrough. And there's, there's actually brain scan evidence to prove this. There's, 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 the, the trauma is continuing. Uh, you say, yes, your mum died 30 years ago. No, mum's still dying. The effect of mum dying is still having its effect. So, just, so then you talk them through it. In his case, your parents were abusing you. Your father was extremely brutal to you. It stopped 40 years ago. No, it didn't. It's still going on in the head. And you explain this to them, and you say, talk through it, and it will go. So you start off, I start off by tap, tap, tap. Uh, hello, how are you doing? Nothing of the authority down the hill. Um, as I say, I've, I first talked to him on a one-to-one -one basis through this wire mesh thing, and, so, and we talked about his friend, if his friend came to me with such and such, you know, how you do it. And I was very clear what we were talking about, and I was setting out to say, I'm trustworthy. I shan't do anything without your consent. I will push you a little bit with your consent, and that's the deal. I mean, for example, in his case, he said, um, I did have trouble in my childhood, so my solution is to get my parents to bring me up again. By that time, his parents had dementia and they were in old people's home. That didn't matter. He wanted to bring me up again. So he knew there was a problem. He didn't know how to unpack it. In his mind, he's just as powerless, helpless, as he was then. So if I say you're not helpless, if he doesn't believe you, you're wasting your breath. So trust is absolutely critical. Robert Maudsley was initially sentenced to life imprisonment for garroting a man Maudsley had picked up for sex, who had admitted to him that he had sexually abused children. Now currently locked away in solitary confinement, Maudsley is one of the longest serving prisoners in British history and is somewhat unique in that most of his killings occurred when he was already in prison. But how did his childhood form his character in later years? He was, um, as it said in the, in the, in the Guardian newspaper, uh, he was taken away from his parental home at about four months, I think it was, because he was being left in a house on his own and parental uh, care was non-existent. They took him back, which is a lunatic thing to do. They then moved him into a nunnery, which he had a lovely time until he was six, and then they brought him back into his family's house again. Where again, he was, the parents had proved themselves to be inadequate parents or dangerous parents, and they continued to do so. And in the first six years of his life, he would find that social skills were rewarding, right? Social skills had feedback. That's to say, if you were nice to people and friendly to people, they would be friendly back and you would benefit from that. Um, he was with his brothers, and um, it was a family situation, just a normal family situation. There was affection, there was concern, there was consent, there was uh, encouragement, there was enthusiasm. Um, they loved him there and uh, looked after him properly, as a child should be looked after. That's to say, guiding them to take more and more responsibility, guiding them to take more and more power, um, 
uh, graded power that they can accomplish. So you're building up their social confidence, building up their social skills. Um, that all changed when he went back to his parent home. He, he was astonishingly intelligent, articulate, uh, interested, interested in a lot of different things, widely read. Uh, turns out he was interested in Schubert, which is one of my passions too. Um, the real mistake of the whole criminal justice system, in my view, is he's killed somebody. He should be given employment, which he would well do with his intellectual powers, and pay compensation for life for the people that he's killed. That would be a much more sensible way of doing it. At the moment, talking cash terms, uh, keeping him in the cage, as he has been, it costs the taxpayer between quarter and half a million pounds a year. So you go 20 years, you're talking 10, 20 million pounds, which is just a total waste of money. Whereas he could be earning, uh, he could, uh, uh, I mean, the sort of things he could do with his intellect uh, are limitless. He could uh, uh, perhaps master program, computer programming, he could master, uh, he got a tremendous mind in there. But unfortunately, uh, the prison service has destroyed that. Um, if you look, if you hear the, the recording, you can hear he's articulate, he's, he, and he's also honest. He says, I, uh, I can now say things now that I couldn't say six months ago. Now, that is the process we began. When he can say it all, he's not going to hurt anybody again, because hurting people, abusing people is what he's been taught. That's what happened to him. But it doesn't help you with social, uh, social skills, social uh, feedback, which you would get. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. He's now talked of, and certainly in the, in the papers, as the most dangerous prisoner. He's not. 
He's not the most dangerous prisoner, certainly not now, because he's now getting some insight into why he behaved in that way. Um, there are others who are much more dangerous, much more dangerous, who have unaddressed these things at all. They're, they're just, they're volcanoes, basically. And you trigger them for some reason, could be change of weather, could be whatever it is. It's totally irrational, totally random. And uh, the victim happens, happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. In, in, in the newspaper article, it says, um, one of his brothers says, uh, as far as I can tell, the prison authorities are trying to break him, says his brother. Every time they see him making a little progress, they, th they throw in a spanner in the works. He spent some time in Woodhill Prison, and there he was getting on well with the staff. He'd been playing chess with them. He had access to books, music, and television. Now they put him back in a cage. Well, why? There's no justification at all. None at all. This is toddler rage on the part of the politicians, toddler rage on the part of what I would call Peter Pan politicians. They haven't grown up either. They're full of uh, toddler revenge, which is quite misplaced. What he needs to do is to be given some employment, earn some money. He needs to be given analysis of some sort. You employ his incredible talents, his, his intellectual talents, so that he now pays compensation to the people whose lives he's destroyed. I don't think he's the most dangerous prisoner. I think that's a ridiculous idea. And the idea of shutting him in a cage now is barbaric. It's uncivilized behavior. I think it was Winston Churchill who said, you want to evaluate a, a nation's state and how they are, visit the prisons. Here we're doing this years and years after. I think it's quite appalling. I think it's quite appalling. The prison motto is confine, rehabilitate. This is rehabilitation. This man is meant to be the most dangerous prisoner in the prison system. I'm changing that with him. I'm helping him change. So breaking that off is culpable. It's appalling. If the prison service said to me, we'd like you to continue where you left off, I'd be up there like a shot. Up there like a shot. The end point of all this approach is, right, uh, Robert Morsley, tell me why you killed. And I'd want him to explain, as he started in his trial, I killed parental fingerments. And I'd want him to talk through that uh, in a calm way. The, 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 the normal common or garden um, insistence on remorse is, is foolhardy. It's, it's superficial. It's uh, um, what everybody wants, but they've got no idea what they're asking for. Uh, once he understands, as the other people I was able to complete the treatment for, were able to understand where the, uh, the appalling things they've done um, came from, then they, they would be sorry for doing that, and they would rectify it insofar as they could. Uh, what, I, what I would like to say I do is um, I'm tough on murder and tough on the causes of murder. And this is what we're talking about. Now, what most people do is they're tough on murder and leave it at that, which is pathetic because, A, they continue to murder unless you turn them off. For example, there was a man uh, in Sea Wing who uh, wouldn't talk to me for nine months. I'd go in and say, good morning, good morning, come to see me, fat chance, fat chance. So eventually he agreed, uh, after nine months walking around and seeing if he could trust me. Um, and then he, st he, he, he saw me every week for six months, dug up a whole series of dreadful things from the past. And he said, I would have killed four time, three times on this wing if I hadn't been talking to you. My conclusion is, don't brutalize a child, you won't get a brutal adult. Brutalize a child, the risk of a brutalized adult, brutalizing adult, is high. 
you teach them. You teach them to be English, you teach them the mother tongue, whatever it is. You teach them that the, the people are friendly. You teach them that it's, it's, it's a good thing to talk to people or it's a good thing to beat people up. We're beating you up. This is what people do. Wrong. Now, in order to say what you were taught was wrong, you have to be in a position of some power, some authority, and trustworthy. Uh, and I did that with a number of them, and a number of them have never killed again. Uh, there was one, another serial killer who uh, um, didn't want to come to Sea Wing. He eventually came into the special unit, and he said, uh, um, when you're falling asleep, you think about your holiday. When I'm falling asleep, I think about my next murder and I will murder somebody, I'll plot it, plot it very carefully, murder them, they'll move me on, two years later I'll do it again, two years later I'll do it again. So in the 12 years, he would have killed 12 times, or six times, and I met him a few years ago, and he hasn't, and he won't, because we've actually detached the drive, the engine, to do that. Next in Making a Monster the Tapes, we have charted forensic psychiatrist Dr. Julian Boone talking about his career. And if you haven't watched it yet, Crime and Investigation's eight-part TV show, Making a Monster, has new episodes available every Monday at 9pm, with the series available to download on demand. Leave a review on your regular podcast app, tag your post with hashtag makingamonster on social media, or find Crime and Investigation by searching on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. You can also head to crimeandinvestigation.co.uk for more information on the series and profiles on all the killers featured. Making a Monster The Tapes features interviews recorded by Monster Films for the Crime and Investigation TV series and was voiced by me, Cherry Healy, Produced by Sam Pearson and Chloe Frost, with editing by Joel Porter. My name's Dr. Fernadel, and this is Not What You Thought You Knew, a brand new podcast series from History. In each episode, we're going to be exploring some unexpected historical characters, revealing not just their incredible stories, but also why they're so important for reassessing our interpretation of what the past looked like. Subscribe to Not What You Thought You Knew on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or your favourite podcast app and search for History UK to find out more. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. 
Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.